Jesus Christ, Father, for who you are in our lives. Lord, we are in a room full of folks that are marketplace pastors that get it. I can't wait to hear what you pour over Jordan, what he's been just soaking in this week, and now it comes over his vocal cords. I pray for hearts to be wide open to receive everything that you have in store for us tonight, Father. That when we leave here, we're so encouraged and we're so strengthened by who you are in our lives that we can't help but just love the socks off of folks that come into our midst. It's a great night, and we love you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Mike. Uh, welcome in, everybody. I'm Michael Jordan, and uh, good to see you here. And uh, what I would say is uh, welcome to Super Sunday. And everybody's like, uh, you're a week ahead. <laughs> That's next week. But really, if you think about it, uh, any Sunday that we're able to gather here together, or any other day for that matter, it happens to be Sunday for us, but whenever we're able to, to join together, and worship like we just did a few minutes ago. Uh, I know you feel better already uh, than you did before you got here. And so that was the first half. Now we're at halftime, and this will be brief. And then the worship team will be back up, and we'll worship for the second half, and we'll be further encouraged and further strengthened and further unified together. So in my book, it's always Super Sunday when we get to hang out together and worship together. And so I think the, uh, consider me the halftime show here. Um, that's good. That's already encouraging. Um, I'm not sure how, how long the halftime show is scheduled for next week, but I might, maybe I'll be shorter than that too. Uh, we'll see. But uh, it's, I'm just going to share some thoughts, really, about purpose. Um, for me, that particular topic started um, about four weeks ago, actually with another group uh, that I get to spend some time with um, at Oakland High School, the FCA uh, swim team. And uh, the huddle over there, we started talking about purpose about four weeks ago, uh, which was timely because it gave me kind of three or four weeks to swim around with that word and talk it through with them and get feedback from them. And so I just want to, and it really just continues the conversation of what we worship about here and uh, the things that Mike shared tonight and what Bruce shared last week and what Nanny shared last week reading uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and what Guy shared the week before and uh, what you'll hear not next week but the week after, I'm sure. So uh, it's just a continuation of that. But I'm going to ask you to turn to a screen or in your book to John 13. That's going to be the anchor verse. Um, John 13, I'll give you the particular verse in just a second because I'm going to come back to it. And what I'm going to do is just share some thoughts here at the beginning share a couple brief scriptures leading up to John 13. And then uh, what I'm going to do is actually read um, a lot more scripture. But when I read that scripture, and I talked about the scripture before, I only want you to think about the scripture we're going to talk about in John 13. 
I'm going to ask you not to turn or flip your screen to the other scriptures or try to follow me as I skip around. So I'm going to ask you just to stay in the uh, receiving mode. Just receive it. And when I get to the scripture at the end, I'm going to pour that on, pour it over you, and I just want you to receive it in. So I think that's important. Uh, but purpose, and I'm going to go to the first verse uh, that I have for you. You're going to John 13. I'm going to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11. And so we're all familiar with this verse. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And then uh, a scripture that uh, Bruce shared last week, I'm going to skip to over in Romans 8. And in verse 28, it says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So those are two verses I thought about when you think about purpose, and it's January, and we're unbelievably at the end of January, and we had New Year uh, resolutions and thoughts about the whole year and what we want to be involved in and what we might be involved in and what we don't want to be involved in and how we're going to do life and who we want to do life with and all those kind of thoughts, you know. And uh, so I thought it fit well that that topic comes at this time because it, it made me kind of evaluate. Like, with all that stuff going on in life whirling around, what, what really, at the end of the day, what is my purpose? And I think we overcomplicate that a lot, particularly as believers. What is my purpose? And uh, we can get that confused with our uh, hobbies, our, um, our work, uh, even our kids, our spouses, uh, our uh, involvement in anything, really. It's like, what specifically, what am I supposed to be doing? You know, how am I supposed to do it? What's it look like? Where do I go? Who do I do it with? And just all the things about that we start asking ourselves and questioning ourselves with. So I think um, just trying to drill all that and push all that away is what my goal is tonight and just kind of simplify it down and get back to what a foundation we can lay to work from as we continue on in the, in the new year of 2017 is what is our purpose as believers. So now to the, to the scripture I brought you to John 13 and verse 34. And Jesus, as he is finishing having uh, an incredible time of worship with the disciples at the Last Supper, washes their feet, gives us a model of how to serve, uh, lets everybody know that's in attendance that his time has come and that somebody actually in the room is going to uh, betray him and turn him over. And he says, Judas, it's you. And Judas leaves the room. 
And then in 34, he says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, a new mandate. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So for me, and purpose, that's the foundation. It's like if I can order my life to work from that position of thinking, then I'm well on my way. And that's not to say that I won't mis make mistakes in doing it, because uh, it's coming. I uh, certainly have made mistakes attempting to do it, and will make more mistakes as I continue to attempt to do that. But that's what my purpose has become, is to live out this verse. And so I've been, um, these are like a lot of thoughts from different people that I've been reading, um, obviously, most importantly, from Scripture. Uh, that's the theme. But um, things of John Eldridge, of Chip Dodd, and I just encourage you to read uh, some of those guys. There's a bunch of others, but they're the ones that come to mind for me because most recently that's what I've been churning through and reading. Um, but Chip talks about... Chip Dodd, and um, a couple books that are tied together. One's Voices of the Heart, and then the newest one is uh, Needs of the Heart. Needs of the Heart, and that's what I'm going to, kind of the blueprint I used as my, uh, for the verses I'm going to share with you. But Needs of the Heart. He talks about circles of security. And so as I stand here, uh, uncomfortably, a bit, because this is not my favorite thing to do, stand in, in, in front of big groups and talk. Um, I do take refuge um, in that it feels like a safe place. And it feels like a safe place to me because as I scan the room and look at faces, I know a lot of the faces very well. And uh, I know even in a group that's pretty small, this is a larger group, and so I don't know all the faces that well, but I know a lot of the faces very well, and it gives me a sense of security and safety. And so... Chip talks about circles of security. He says they're communities of people that gather together to live in confession based on the shared need of others and God. Communities of people that gather together to live in confession based on the shared need of others and God. Finding a place to belong and matter allows us to begin engaging our other needs that can safely be confessed because we have others with us who we can trust with our lives. And that's a beautiful place to get to and to live from, uh, but it's, as you all know, very hard. That's a rough journey. And uh, Guy and I were just chatting just real briefly before I started. He said, this is a team sport. I mean, it, it truly is a team sport. Uh, we need each other. It's incredible. Chip, in one place in his book, talks about how a life we all are as humans, 99 point some odd percentage that we're all alike, but it's incredible that small little fraction of the percentage that makes us all unique and different and how God uses that small percentage of uniqueness to pull us together, to draw us together, to allow us to meet one another's needs um, uh, where it reciprocates back and forth, 
that we all have different experiences, uh, different wisdom from life that we can share with one another, knowing that we all are needy. We're a needy bunch, you know? And so we tend to act like that we're not that needy, or at least I do. I'm good. Uh, let me help you, you know? But we're all needy. Uh, on my good days, I can help you. But on my down, down days, and there are, I need a circle of security to help me. So I just encourage you to, to begin to think that way as we uh, move into uh, the next part, which I, I mentioned I want to just read some verses over you. Because um, here's the deal in this. So if we have our purpose, and, and you guys just, um, for my benefit, agree that John 13, 34 is a good purpose we can all hang our hat on, that if we attempt to live from that, Uh, there's a very critical component that's necessary. One, we would have to have received grace, mercy, compassion, uh, love from Christ to even understand this conversation and have a desire to live from this foundation. And once that occurred and we, occurs and we begin to live that out, we're going to need someone to share grace, mercy, compassion, and love with. So the need for someone to be needy is necessary. So I don't need to be walking around all the time as if I'm not needy because that really doesn't make sense for this equation to, to work very well. And so it's okay for us to admit that we're needy at times. But it's a must that we have a place that we feel secure in to admit that. Um, that we can safely confess our lives to a group and have others with us who can trust, we can trust with our lives. That that's necessary. So it, it all really begins with receiving and living from a, a position of receiving and then to giving. That's just the way that I see it. So I'm going to ask you to receive tonight and allow me to speak over some scriptures to you. And uh, really in three main areas, and it's what Chip lays as the foundation for the needs of our heart, which I think fits well with this purpose to love and what... Um, Nanny read 1 Corinthians 13 last week and what gave us a real good definition, almost tangible. You can almost feel it what, when you read that versus what, what love looks like. And so if we take that and we incorporate that into um, circles of security, then we begin to live out John 13, 34. And so also as I read these, uh, I encourage you to think about your circles of security. Because I know you belong to circles of security, but you may belong to some that you haven't really thought about as being circles of security yet. But hopefully tonight you will leave here and think, oh, wow, I can be uh, a champion, if you will, in this area of my life, in this platform that God has provided me. I can create a circle of security here at lunch, in the lunchroom at my work, 
at my school, in my classroom, uh, in my running group, in my exercise group, uh, in my uh, swim team, cheer, family group. Um, whatever fits in your life as you evaluate where I'm going, what I'm doing, who I'm living life with, are you sensing that those people have a circle of security to belong to? And if you sense they do not, guess what? There's a need to be moved into there that gives us an opportunity to engage. And so it's beginning to make me think of, of where I go, who I interact with, and what my purpose is as I move into that. Um, it, these are the three points uh, that Chip uses uh, in his book. And so I matched up some scripture for each of these three points to share with you. And it's, um, the first one is acceptance and belonging. And, and as I tell you these, think about receiving that, living in a place of, am I rece receiving that? Meaning that, am I really living in a place where I'm uh, believing that God has accepted me? and I'm belonging to his family. Acceptance and belonging, and then valued and mattering. Am I really living in a place where I feel valued from God's perspective? Do, do I really believe that God values me and I matter in his kingdom? Valued and mattering. And then last, secure and protected. Do I really believe that I'm totally secure and totally pr protected by God? Accepted and belonging, valued and mattering, secure and protected. Because if we don't receive, if we don't live in a place of receiving that from God. And what I'm going to share with you is the truth of those three things. I have some scripture to back, back that up. Not the only scripture. Uh, we could put quite a list together that will back those three things up. But I've got uh, three scriptures for each of those areas that I want to share with you that are truth in those areas of acceptance and belonging, valued and mattering, secured and protected. And so as I, as I begin to receive that and really believe that, and I think about living out John 13, 34, and I think about the circles of security that I belong to and that I can create, then those three things give me a great template for how to move within those circles. How can I do what I'm doing or what I want to do with those people to help them feel accepted and that they belong, that I value them and that they matter, and that with my relationship, they're secure and protected. How can I do that with the people that I live at home with? How can I do that with the people that I work with? How can I do that with the people I worship with? How can I do that with the people that I exercise with? How can my life be ordered in a way that that is what I'm about? 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I'm great, grateful to be able to, to gather here because as we know, as you're involved doing this, that it's hard work. Uh, it's rough out there. And we do have an enemy that opposes everything I've just said. 
and looks for opportunities to tear that apart, to make you think you don't need to be a part of it, to make you think you can't lead it, to make you think you don't need to belong to it, to make you think it doesn't matter, and to make you think you're not valued. Um, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and he doesn't sleep, and I do. Um, so it's just important. Receive. These times of worship together are important. I really believe that um, more and more each time I come in here to worship that. No disrespect to myself or Bruce or Guy or Mike, but what we have to offer in, in the halftime or whoever else might come uh, is just a, a snippet of what this time on Sundays is, that we have is, is really all about. It's about coming in here and shaking off the dust from our travels and allowing us, thank you Debbie for leading that, allowing us to receive as a group that worship and then offer it back up together and we become unified in that and strengthened. Because I know when I came up here, I felt better when I came up here than I did when I came in the door. And so that's gonna increase as they come back up and we go out, you know? We're gonna be stronger, more encouraged, more unified. Um, so okay. I got some scripture I'm going to read, and so I'm going to ask you not to follow me. I'm going to try not to even mention where I am in scripture. Uh, if that bugs you, it really annoys you. If you circle back with me later on, I'll just send you my notes, and uh, you can go back and read them again and actually have the address. That, that might help uh, some of you if you're like me. It would be hard for me to sit out there and the guy tell me, just sit there and receive this and don't follow me in the book. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but I'm in charge at the moment, so <laughs> you have no choice. Okay. I almost said it right off the beginning. You ready? All right, here we go. I got uh, three scriptures here for accepting and belonging. So I'm going to read a little scripture here. This is Jesus speaking. He's saying that the king was furious. He sent, sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. He said to his servants, the, weeding, the, the, weeding, the wedding, wedding feast is ready. The wedding feast is ready, and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. But now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. Go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. Jesus said that because he wants you to know that everyone, good and bad alike, are accepted and they belong. Man, it's hard to not tell you where I'm going. This is Jesus again. He tells folks a story. He says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others? in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? Won't he go and search for the one 
until he finds it. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and have it straight away. This one's right after, uh, I'll give away where the address is, because Mike read the two verses right before it, as he shared moments ago. Ephesians 2, he was reading 16, I think it was. Um, But this is 18. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, we are also being made part of his dwelling, where God lives by his spirit. So those are, those are three I just wanted to offer you as encouragement of accepting and belonging. So just continue to receive these here. I'm going to offer three scriptures uh, that we all valued and we all matter. No one can serve, this is Jesus speaking, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one Love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. Here's a nugget. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are. Aren't you far more valuable than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Aren't you more valuable? Jesus continuing to speak here. Don't be afraid of those who sent to kill. I'm sorry. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God. You can destroy both soul and body uh, in hell. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? Not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. The very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Everyone who acknowledges me me here publicly on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. 
you are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that, that please God. You are living stones that God is building into the, his spiritual temple. You are his holy priest. You matter. this one starts. This is Jesus speaking. Anyone who receives you receives me. And anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. If you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. If you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. If you give a even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. If you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. And to me that just speaks security and protection. Um, so I know as we sit here and talking about how we live life and throughout the week, There's no one in this group that a day goes by that they don't offer at least a cup of cold water to the least of these. Gallons and gallons, I know you're pouring out. So I take security in that for myself. A couple more here. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Never. But you haven't believed in me even though you've seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. Those the Father has given me will come to me. I will never reject them.
Last little section here. Protection and security. Final word. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. I love this because I'm talking about being secure and protected. God in Scripture gives us every piece of the armor that He allows us to wear each and every day with His stamp on it, His symbol, His crest of the kingdom. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will, be, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of those, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Pray for me too. Paul says, ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for the Jews and Gentiles alike. I am changed now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador, so pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. plan on this until this morning when in my email came something from John Eldridge that I thought, hmm, that's awful fitting for what I planned for tonight. So I decided to use it as uh, my clothes. Some of you may have seen it already today, but that's okay. Um, it's, it's titled, Church is Not a Building. Church is not a building. Church is not an event that takes place on Sundays. I know it's how we think of it. I go to the refuge. We are members of the refuge. It's time to go to church. Much to our surprise, that is not how the Bible uses the term. Not at all. When the scripture talks about church, it means community, little fellowships of the heart that are outposts of the kingdom. It's a team sport, I for emphasis. A shared life. They worship together, eat together, pray for one another, go on quests together. They hang out together in each other's homes. When Peter sprung from prison, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, where many people had gathered and were praying. Anytime an army goes to war, an expedition, or an expedition takes the field, it breaks down into little platoons and squads. Every chronicle of war or quest will tell you that the men and women who fought so bravely fought for each other. That's where the acts of heroism and sacrifice take place. 
because that's where the devotion is. You simply can't be devoted to a mass of people. Devotion takes place in small units, just like a family, like a circle of security. We have stepped short. I'm sorry. We have stopped short of being an organization. We, an organ, we are an organism instead, a living and spontaneous association of individuals who know one another intimately, care for each other deeply, and feel a kind of respect for one another that makes rules and bylaws unnecessary. A group is the right side, I would guess, when each member can pray for each other member individually and by name. This is the wisdom of Brother Andrew, who smuggled Bibles into communist countries for decades. It's the model, frankly, of the church in nearly every other country except the U.S. Now, I'm not suggesting you don't do whatever it is you do on Sunday mornings. I'm simply helping you accept reality that whatever else you do, you must have a small fellowship to walk with you and fight with you and bandage your wounds. This is essential. So that's it for me. Um, I say we go to the second half <laughs> and uh, worship our way out of here. Uh, and since I have the mic, as they get ready, I'm going to make two uh, announcements. One, if you uh, actually gave a gift that would be deemed tax deductible in the year of 2016, uh, a lot of you, I handed those out a couple weeks ago. We have those tax statements prepared. It is that time of the year uh, where you need to get your taxes done and get them in. You've got a couple months left. But if you haven't gotten one yet and you know you made that donation, uh, they're actually down on the table on your way out, alphabetized from as you walk in the door and get to the table from left to right. You can figure that out when you see the, the papers. But pick up your tax statement if you hadn't, it'll save us a few cents of postage along the way. And speaking of circles of security, once we get into February, uh, we will begin our giving meeting gatherings again, our giving fellowships. And so uh, Mary Catherine and I will host our first one for 2017. Be thinking about if you would be willing over the course of uh, the year to open your home. Uh, to that fellowship. We're going to do that, attempt to do it. We did about once every six weeks last year. Uh, that worked out well. We'll still have, probably plan to have a couple of those here at this time on Sunday evenings when we gather, but uh, we hope to have the majority of those actually in homes along the way, so uh, be on the lookout for that announcement coming soon. Thank you.